Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Jared Brandon. Brandon Warren. Hey, this is Todd Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Jared. Go Jared, ahead. Jared, go ahead. Now we got the silent. Pickups. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, uh, this is Todd Nobody. <laughs> welcome to the Guitar Knobs. We are thrilled to death that you are listening to our show with us in this room. You're not in this room, but we are, and that's what matters, at least to us, in the room. Yeah, so that's the important part. Mr. Baloney, what do we do on said show? Uh, Well, sometimes we have dinner, and then sometimes we talk to people. Who are having dinner. Who are having dinner. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we like to talk to builders. Yep. Builders of boutique gear. Yes. And boutique gear would be guitars and amps and pedals and pedal boards and pickups and pickguards and uh, 101ers. Yeah. Yeah. It's my favorite. We do all that stuff. Yep. Learning. And so we like to talk and get the stories and uh, what's coming up. Where'd they come from? All the things. All the things. And if this is your first time, uh, show of hands, take both hands off the wheel if this is your first time. Ah! (laughs) Use your knee. (laughs) Uh, Welcome if this is your first time. For real. For real, welcome. Welcome. Um, We are glad that you are uh, partaking with us. And if this is your hundred and whatever time listening, thank you, thank you, thank you. And um, let's get on with this, peoples. Do we have somebody? I'm pretty sure... You, you, might, line. you might have to drink because it's John Snyder. Okay, so I'm not. I'm going to call you Mr. X for the whole show because I'm going to end up in rehab <laughs> at the, by the end of this thing here. Does he have a company or is he just him? Uh, he does. What's it called? Electronic Audio Experiments. Ah. Yeah. Also mouthful. known as EAE. EAE. I.O. Yeah. <laughs> so, who are you? Um, <laughs> boy, that's a deep, deep reference. All right. Yes. John, welcome to the show again. Again. This is number two. Yeah. Number um, two. Yes. So Electric Boogaloo. You, you and maybe I think two other people are in the running for the Alec Baldwin of our show. <laughs> uh, right. Dubious honor. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so we're thrilled that you're here. We've got some awesome pedals on our table that we can't wait to talk about and just find out generally what you have been up to and where you're headed and all that business. And for some people, this is going to be the first time hearing you, which uh, I think will be a real treat for them. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have one of the foremost leaders in the pedal building industry, um, somebody who has greatly influenced many, is mentoring several, and continues to be an inspiration for most of them. Mm. Well, thank you. That's a very fair assessment. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Well done, Todd. Uh, That's what I do. I assess fairly. Let's get a couple of announcements real quick. We want to say a big fat thank you to Rode Microphones. Uh, for the Rodecaster Pro, our lovely black mothership here, collecting our voices with twinkly lights and levers and mm. knobs. It's amazing. It's a beautiful piece of equipment. Fantastic piece of equipment. If you are thinking about doing your own podcast or recording for whatever reason in your home or your basement or whatever, uh, you can record up to four uh, lines in, yeah, as well as a, a USB and a phone and all kinds of business. You can do all kinds of and stuff. It's and super easy. Yeah. And it records right to a micro SD. How hard is this? It's just not complicated. Not hard. You it's don't hard if you don't have microphones, anymore. though. Yeah. 
What kind of microphones should go with this? Well, we would suggest the Procaster microphone. For ah. podcasts. Yes. And uh, that comes with um, the... The articulating arms, the if you will. The articulating arms. That's I right. love those. So big fat thank you to Rode for that business. All right. We also need to address something from Barefoot Buttons. <gasps> Everybody, so for those of you who don't know what barefoot buttons is, a lot of times, especially if you're on Instagram, you'll see some pedals and there's like a little aluminum colored disc on where the foot switch is. Mm -hmm. That's to make it easy to hit it. That's right. And Mm -hmm. to make it not mess up your feet. That's why they call it barefoot buttons. Especially if you don't wear shoes. It sounded better than gig foot buttons, I would imagine, (laughs) which is really what I find them very, very useful for. Rhymes with Bigfoot. Yeah, that's Mm, true. That's right. That might have worked, actually. But they are uh, barefoot buttons, and they are a really solid group of people and very, very nice people. And I think that's important. Do business with nice people. And they make cool stuff. They make cool stuff. And in front of us, we've got the uh, the mini buttons. Uh, huh. These are smaller sized. So they, They're they for infant feet. Yeah, <laughs> infant feet. Yes. <laughs> these mini buttons have become one of the most popular buttons for barefoot. It's always great when you come out with a new product and it goes like hotcakes. At the low profile design, so these are, these are not only smaller in diameter, but they're, but shorter. they're shorter. So what they don't do is block LEDs. So some pedals have LEDs really close to the foot switch. Yep. I've got a couple. Yep. Um, actually, I mentioned it on one of the last shows. Yes. These prevent it from doing that. They also are great if you happen to have two foot switches. Okay. Mm. Uh, so, um, you know, we've seen a couple of those. I think our buddy Mikey makes, makes some stuff like that. Yes. Uh, and so that way you can have a broader base. A big button and a little button. Yep. Or two little buttons. Or a tall button and yeah, a short rare, button. Yeah, Rare Buzz puts these on, uh, on uh, you know, he's got a couple on this. Yeah. Look pretty nice. They also come in the, the what's called the Tall Boy, which is a little bit taller. Is that a 20 ounce? The same diameter. Check these out over on Barefoot Buttons, and you get free shipping on anything over $15 in the U.S. Barefootbuttons.com. Barefoot Buttons, music for your soul. S-O-L-E. Clever. Um, <laughs> hey, also, hey, we're giving these away. Are we? That's right. We're giving them away to our patrons. Well, we've, all, all, we've got a whole bunch what, of these What things. other reason do people we've need got, to got, become a patron of about this that later. podcast? Pedals and all kinds of stuff. So just, hey, as, you're, as you're listening to this, go just be thinking in the back of your head, like, I should really get in on this action. I can win pedals. Okay, here's buttons. the other thing. Here's the other thing. We got uh, one of our longtime supporters... Martin Cliff, uh, who's over oh, in yeah. Hong Kong. He's a music oh, teacher in Hong Kong. We yeah. love I didn't realize Martin he was in Cliff. Hong Kong. Yes, he's an Englishman in Hong Kong. Englishman. Uh, so uh, anyways, so it, with the name Martin, Martin Cliff, I mean, you're definitely from... You're not England. from Hong Kong. No, you're not from Hong Kong. Uh, so he, he wanted to share his four on the floor. And I said, yes, absolutely, Martin. So first is the Sure Sheba Drive Reloaded. Says, I've had a variant Shiba drive on my board since early 2014. It's kind of tube screamery, but a little bit more open sounding, and the reloaded model has a little bit more gain and brightness. The original Shiba drive is fairly dark sounding pedal. It tends to be my go to rhythm sound, but stacks really well too. All right. All right. What Number else? Two, the Mad Professor Royal Blue Overdrive, another fairly open sounding mid gain drive pedal. But this has its own character. I fell in love with the tone Matt Schofield got from this, and I run it. I run the gain fairly low at about 10 o'clock with plenty of level and low end. Great edge of breakup sound on this on its own. I think an OCD 
that had its new sparked plugs fitted. That's what he's alluding to. I see. Or an amazing lead boost with Shiba Drive going into it. Sounds good. Uh, next is the MXR Carbon Copy. This has been on the four on the floor That's several, yeah. many times. Um, I've owned a ton of delay pedals. He lists out like 20 of them. <laughs> he obviously hasn't tried ascending. That's maybe not, but I keep coming back to the humble carbon <laughs> copy. It just sounds better than any other delay pedals I've used. I think I bought it in 2011 or something, and it just keeps earning a place on my board. Next is the Strymon Flint, also hmm. been repeated. I'm going to have to do some sort of list. I yeah. just don't know. I might need your help to do that, Tony, to be honest, because okay. uh, there's yeah. a lot. Oh, there's a lot of pedals. them. Yeah. Uh, Strymon Flint. Okay, so a slight cheat, as it's a two-in-one pedal. <laughs> <laughs> but not all amps uh, I have use reverb. Plus, some of the reverbs in there sound really lush as more of a special effect thing. And the tremolo sounds are amazing. Thanks again, and keep up the good work. All right, we'll do that, nice. Martin. We Wasn't, appreciate your... Didn't the Dr. Z, that, that's what the, the pedal they recommend for their uh, their new little amp? Well, that's the one that they were playing with. It. Yeah, they, that, they that really was, loved that. Yeah. yeah, it was a good... I mean, good reason. I mean, it sounds, sounds pretty dang good. Yeah. Solid. Yeah. Anyway, so there we have it. Those the announcements, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, can we get into what's going on in our music world this week? <gasps> Tony. Big news. Well, not really big news. So I don't know if other people have been uh, somewhat bombarded with uh, Eastwood's uh, clearance sale emails, mm -hmm. but I was. And there were a couple of things that tempted me a little bit, but the final one <laughs> tempted me the most. So um, they're having a half-price deal on their, they call it their uh, Sidekick 300. Uh-huh. And it's actually uh, their version of a Moserite 350. Originally, they were stereo, but they, they did a mono version. So it's basically Semi Mosley's take on a Telecaster. Mm-hmm. Except it has a droopy horn, right? <laughs> which is even better. <laughs> Just like Jared. <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> but anyhow, they. I mean, it, I I saw it, and I and I'm I'm familiar with the original model, and I said, well, you know, and it looks. I'll, I'll see when it's here. I'm sure it's going to be fine. I've got a couple of other Eastwood things. Mm -hmm. The price was right. Um, I, of course, you know, I'll, I'll do some upgrades to it, but uh, really cool guitar. So I can't wait for that to get here, but uh, but I succumb to it. And then I'm uh, working on a new wiring diagram for it to make it a little more closer to, at least look-wise, what the original one was, uh, which had actually two jacks on it and a little toggle switch or slider switch. And so I'm going to do a series parallel with the pickups. Uh, and then... Uh, more to come once I have it here. Well, that's awesome. I succumbed to the email. Uh, Thanks, what Mike. What color? Uh, I got it black, just for you. Really? Yes. No glitter guard, though. Hmm. <laughs> black with a white guard. Yes. And are you going to make any kind of crazy guard for it? No. I'm going to make a three-ply parchment guard for it. Um, okay. I'm a little more conservative than you. I, well, I guess so. Maybe. John, yes. John, John. Tell us what's going on in music world. Well, I'm going to spare you guys my latest uh, Eurorack synthesizer purchase because that has been a whole rabbit hole. Um, mm. 
But uh, one cool new thing is that uh, I, I've had this, uh, you know, solo ambient music project going on for years. And uh, I just made a new album that came out on uh, Bandcamp. It's Whoa. called the, the the project is called uh, Ember Wreath. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a bunch of, you know, sort of warm, fuzzy, droney stuff with uh, guitar and synthesizer and a little bit of violin. Um, em- recorded Ember it. Ember Wreath? Like- yep. Okay. Yeah, I'll send you. I, I can send you guys a link to to drop in the episode description. Um, sure. Yeah. But yeah, we. Uh, I. Uh, I have a friend who who runs a recording studio outside of Boston. If anyone here uh, is from the Boston area, Derek at Quiet House Studios uh, is a good friend of mine and uh, has a very warm and uh, well equipped uh, home studio in his basement. It's a lovely spot, and uh, yeah, it broke a very long dry spell of uh, of making solo records. It was nice to actually put all these gadgets and gizmos in in my house to good use that's awesome nice that is super cool uh, are you pressing any um nope it's gonna be digital only for now um pressing has gotten so expensive these days sure. uh i i i used to we used to do seven inches uh back when i was in in uh hardcore bands but uh those days are perhaps a little behind me mm, gotcha all right, so we can give it away a digital download of that. <laughs> yes, yeah, it is. Uh, it is. It is free, uh, or it's pay what you want. Uh, so if you like it, you know, uh, throw me a couple bucks. Uh, if you like it a little bit, it's zero dollars. I love Bandcamp, so perfect. Yeah. Nice, perfecto. All right. How about Jared? What's going on in Jared's world? Well, I was watching some TV and looking at the phone, scrolling around, and uh, I found this ad for this effects box called. Tonewood, hmm. and I don't know if you guys heard about it or not, but it's an effects box. It's real small. It's pocket size, and you attach it to the back of your, of your acoustic guitar, plug it into the amp system on the – because obviously you have to have a built-in amp or a pickup or a sound hole pickup, and what it does is it transfers the effects naturally through oh. the back of – you know, the guitar, and it comes out the sound hole. Oh. There's wow. no amplifier. Interesting. I it, yeah, I know. So what kind of effects? Uh, there's like a reverb. There's an, uh, a delay. And I think there's something else that I don't quite Acoustic remember. simulation? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess so. Good one, Todd. <laughs> Thank it, you. I mean, yeah, it's funny. No, in, they have an electrical simulator. <laughs> it's funny and whatnot, but if you actually go on you know listen to some samples on it it's really intriguing and then uh, and i thought about you see what guitars do i have that have because my really good guitars they don't have an amp uh, you know a pickup in it hmm. um, guess you're gonna have to have some installed yeah i don't know i wonder what the difference would be if you were running that versus if you went out from your guitar into an effects pedal into an effects pedal and then through an, uh, an yeah. actual amplifier. Or, or, or a DI or whatever. I think the whole idea is to just have the sound come out of your acoustic guitar only. Because mm. it, it just blends with everything else that you're doing naturally. Oh, so you, you would use it in a, a small, an intimate setting. Sure. Uh, okay, so you're not amped. I think, no. I think, it, I think it's just for maybe your own enjoyment with other people or, mm. you know, sitting around a guitar circle with some buddies. Campfire. Yeah, something like that. Right. So I that really caught my eye. I looked into it, and I I might get one of those here down the road. Oh, 
Well, that'd be cool. You have to bring it in and show report. how it works. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, how y'all. about you, Todd? What's going on in your music world this week? Well, we did a show. We had an awesome... By the time this comes out, uh, it's going to be in like a couple episodes, but whatever. We played a pre-Halloween show. You did the Ed- Eddie Van Halen thing, right? Uh, no, <laughs> I did not. <laughs> uh, sick of Eddie Van as Halen? As good as I am, I, I, I didn't. I've been asked many times. Uh, the, the lung cancer, Eddie? <laughs> <laughs> um, I did, uh, it was the Ramonesathon slash Glen Fest. Mm. So there was nine bands, and we did nine misfits tunes and mm. it was glorious no ramones tunes it, no we didn't why because they didn't feel right with our band huh. we're more it was more natural for us to play the misfits anyways blah, blah, blah. Mm. so they had a back line yes this was my first time i i have i've been d well, never mind. I'm not going to get lurid about that. But uh, <laughs> uh, defrocked? No, <laughs> I played. That's you lose rank. I played through a Marshall JCM DSL 2000. There you go. I've got one of those. Do you? Yes, I do. That's the good one. Yep. Uh, with a 1960A mm. cabinet. Sweet. I hated it. Uh, of course, you oh, didn't. No. <laughs> it. You want to use from, mine from behind, like from where I was, and I was playing through Les Paul with P90s, my my double cut special. Should have sounded your great. Jared Brandwound pickups in it, yeah. which sound amazing through my amp. And I plugged that thing in, and I was like, "Oh no, the, the people are going to hate this. It sounds it sounds awful." And it was just, it was so like bright and brittle sounding, yeah. and just oh, you got to turn the bright switch off. It, it wasn't my amp, and they just said, don't touch anything. Just plug uh, in and go, because yeah, we you, were all on, like, you've got yeah. 20 minutes to get uh, on and off. You could have spent an hour with all those settings. I yeah. Mean, there's a lot of them there. So, anyways, that my first experience, and I had never played through a proper Marshall half stack, mm-hmm. ever. That was the first time. Well, oh, that's go. a bad first experience. It, it really was. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But <laughs> I asked, I kept, I was like, hey, how did it sound out there? And they were like, on one hand, they were like, hey, it sounded pretty good. But the thing that made me actually happier was that I like, but your normal sound is awesome. And I was like, cool. All right. I'll take it. Mm. So <laughs> I've, I've uh, been there before. I've been to gigs where you're using someone else's equipment. You don't get the sound that you want. Yeah. And, it, and it's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I've been there. Totally. I know how yeah, it's It sucks. Yeah. So, anyways, it's not. I'm not knocking Marshalls or anything. It's just that was my. experience. I think you were knocking Marshalls. I was knocking my experience <laughs> with that one. Okay. For whatever reason, and I don't know what all those numbers mean. So, <laughs> <laughs> we are going to get into some other stuff right now. One, two, one, two, three, four on the floor. All right, John Schneider of Electronic Audio Experiments. Give us your four more on the floor. So this is the second one. Do you get it? Uh, <laughs> you're very clever. <laughs> All right, here we go. My first one is the Death by Audio Apocalypse. Um, I became friends with the DBA crew uh, at last Winter Nam, um, and uh, we'd been talking for a while. And I helped them uh, debug a new project they're working on. And as a thank you, they sent me an Apocalypse. And it absolutely lives up to its name. Uh, you know, my, my favorite thing about it, aside from the like obscene amount of gain that it has, uh, is the tone control. Uh, I thought that, you know, from videos, it was like a big muff tone control where it's sort of 
super woolly on one side, super piercing on one side, and then scooped everywhere else. But it sort of morphs from a base boost to a mid scoop to a mid boost uh, to a treble boost. And it sounds good no matter where you set it. Um, I got to fire it up at, at band practice for the first time uh, last week and was just just floored. Uh, it handles low tunings really well, too, which is something I appreciate. Just uh, an all around good time. Uh, so, yeah, DBA Apocalypse. Awesome. Um, yeah, the uh, the second one is the the Boss RV3. Um, so I had had one of these around circa 2010, 2011, uh, and I loved it, but I sold it chasing some other stuff, and uh, I always kind of regretted it, and prices have gone down on them because there's just so many options for reverb on the market these days. Um, so I, I, I finally picked one up again for like 95 bucks shipped, um, and I think for what it does, it's just perfect. Like It's this very uh, cold... Uh, unapologetically digital <laughs> yeah. sort of sound, um, you know, very, it's, it's like, it's dense uh, and it, but it sits in a mix really well. If you're playing in a, in a band with a lot of guitar uh, stuff going on uh, and say you're playing with, a, you know, with a lot of gain, the RV three is still going to cut through and sort of give you the atmosphere that you need, especially at like really uh, aggressive settings with like a high mix and a lot of decay and stuff like that. Uh, I just I love it. I think I think it's super underrated. Uh, I hope that Boss. I don't know if they have those algorithms in the new. Oh, what is it? The RV five hundred. Um, but I hope they do because I hope that lives on. It's a great sound. Cool, cool, cool. I'm surprised by that one a little bit. I'm just saying. Well, it's. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I, I think maybe it's uh, my own personal taste um, rather than it being like an objectively good pedal. Uh, suppose one might argue that it's, you know, 1990 state of the art. Uh, but, you know, there are still uh, still musicians who use them like, uh, you know, up until probably mid 2000s, uh, Radiohead was using them. They're probably mm. all on Strymon stuff now. But uh, a lot of the sounds on on their on like Kid A and Amnesiac, a lot of those reverb sounds mm-hmm. uh, are RV3. Oh. Um, and uh, and then who else? Oh, uh, Yonsei from Cigaros, uh used one for a really long time. Um, so their first album with all the bowed guitar on it, that's all he actually used a DSL 2000 and an RV three Really? Uh, from what I, you know, that this was me like creeping on forum posts all the time, you know? <laughs> but, but, uh, but it made, it made sense and you can cop those sounds with that rig, but it was funny. Cause you know, it'd be like, Oh, this guy's like an icon of post rock and he's this like very soft spoken Icelandic dude, but he's playing a Les Paul into a Marshall stack. You know, right. I just, I, 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 uh, I always got a kick out of that out of that image but yeah boss rv3 i think it's uh i think it's a really good one awesome um all right so next this one is a little bit of an oddball this is the uh the last gasp art labs uh misty cave uh it's a i can't remember if he's japan by way of australia or australia by way of japan um but uh this guy makes a lot of really weird stuff uh he's probably best known for some of his uh fuzzes he makes this fuzz called like the super Oslo 88, which has like a bunch of toggles on it and is is completely nuts sounding. But the Misty Cave is uh I best you could you could best describe it as like a parked flanger. Um so instead of whooshing up and down, oh. uh it sort of sits at one static comb filter frequency. Uh and so you can tune it to a note that you're playing, either with the knob on the pedal uh or with an expression pedal. Um and it just it, it kind of like rings against your and resonates against your your guitar sound 
Um, it's a very haunting texture. I, I, I love it. It's cool. That sounds awesome. There's a, there's a couple of really good demos of it on YouTube. Um, but as good as they are, I don't feel like they really capture the full capability of it. But it's worth looking up. I think it's, I think it's just such a cool effect. It's also gorgeous looking. It's got a really nice color scheme, really nice design. Uh, knobs that I've never seen on any other piece of equipment. Um, it's, it's great. I, I love it. Mm. Very underrated. I like it. I'm going to look that one up for sure because I'm not familiar with that at all. Cool. Okay. All right. The final one. I almost included this in my first one, um, but I already had one delay pedal. So I'm going to talk about a different delay pedal, which is the uh, the Digitech PDS 2020 Multiplay. It's, uh, it's from the, I want to say it's like mid 80s. Um, so this is like the dawn of digital delays in pedal form. Um, and uh, and despite it being a digital delay, it's not. It doesn't have a microcontroller or a DSP chip in it. It's uh, you know, it's just got memory and a bunch of logic chips. That all they do is they cut the signal up into little pieces and they stick them in in memory and read it out later on. Um, the beauty of this is that you can adjust the sample rate uh, directly. There's a trim pot in there that you can go in and mess with. And if you're content with really nasty audio quality, you can get like 15 seconds of delay out of this thing, <laughs> um, which is awesome. But to make it even more awesome, it's got a hold function, sort of like what you see on uh, like the Boss DD3 or uh, the DSD2, where it like takes a little snippet of sound and it just keeps on playing it back. Mm. Um, you know, not it's not like uh, having the feedback knob all the way up. It's not like oscillating. It just keeps playing it. But if you do that with 15 seconds of delay, that's just a looper. But because it's a delay, you can manipulate the time knob and you can change the pitch of the loop. So it's just a really it's a really wow. expressive and, and weird sort of looper. And because you can't punch in and punch out like you can with you know, a regular looper, you have to fight it a little bit. Uh, but it's a really rewarding tool for for more, you know, soundscape type stuff, more abstract things. In a band setting, it's a killer delay on its own. Uh, but the weird sampling, looping, you know, signal destroying stuff, I think, is uh, is where it's at. Hmm. They're probably not also ter- not terribly expensive <laughs> either, are they? No. Well, so the funny thing is, uh, I got one when I was my first one when I was in high school. It's the pedal I've owned the longest. Uh, I paid fifty bucks for it. Uh, by the time, uh, like ten years after that, they were worth like six hundred dollars. What? Um, because uh, because uh, Juan from uh, from Pedals and Effects, and he was also in the Mars Volta and all this other stuff. Apparently, I think it was either him or uh, or Nick Reinhardt from Terramelos, and it also might have been the guy from Battles. Um, you know, they all apparently have used this pedal at some point, and the the, the used prices just skyrocketed, but wow. they're back down now. Um, and I've just been acquiring broken ones because they're pretty easy to fix. Uh, and uh, I just, I love them. And I know like with old digital stuff like that, you, they don't really last. A lot of the, a lot of the chips in them aren't made as well as stuff today. And they tend to have a bit of a shelf life. So hmm. just uh, trying to make as much music as I can with them while they're still good. Well, and you probably just drove the price up on them again. So. <laughs> $7.50. Well, yeah. Oh, so no. We'll, we'll go buy them up before this airs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Insider, insider reverb training. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing those with us uh, yet again. Uh, the, that was a very interesting list. I know that uh, I'm interested in checking, uh, especially the, the cavern, the, the Misty Cave, cave yeah. Misty Cave, yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> That's all awesome. yeah. yeah. I love I love that thing. It's so it's just so inspiring. 
Well, actually, one of the things that you mentioned about that pedal, how's this for a segue, uh, made me immediately think of one of the sounds in particular that I was able to get out of one of the pedals that you sent. Oh, excellent. I know exactly what you're talking about, I think. You're all right. Uh, So uh, we'll get into that in just one second, and I will re-reference it um, to to overcomplicate things as much as possible. (laughs) Uh, John has been kind enough to uh, park our table full of three pedals. Uh, we got the sending, and uh, this one has been on the floor on the floor m- several times. It's it's up there. There's a couple pedals that is like um, it's it's kind of reaching. They're I believe they're loons. Are these loons? Yes. Yeah. It's a it's a loon. Yes. You know, I know that because Minnesota State Bird, and I nice. lived there for a while. Uh, so anyways, the sending, I'm sure most people are familiar with this. If you're not familiar with anything we're talking about, um, boy, you, you need to listen to some more episodes. But but in the meantime, you can go to Instagram <laughs> and check out Electronic Audio Experiments on Instagram and see some of the things that we're talking about. And then check out a store on Reverb. Um, well, that is where you're actually selling things off now, correct? Yeah, it's linked from the main site. Um, right. So the main site's got the like deep dive product info and manuals and stuff. Right. Um, and then if you if you like what you see, you can go on Reverb and buy it, assuming it's in stock. Perfect, perfect. Um, and what's neat uh, specifically about this one is that it says 001. Now, I know this is not... <laughs> the zero 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 one, but it was still no, really 100. cool. Oh, it's one hundred. Oh, it's one hundred. I had it upside down. <laughs> it actually, it actually. So, so it actually is zero zero one. Um, I, uh, I had set that enclosure aside with the number on it, being like, I'm going to build myself one of these eventually. Um, and I finally built it about a year later. Uh, finally, had time to build myself my own pedal. So this so, is whoops, really zero zero one. Yeah, that's, you know, it's not the first one I built, but it's the one I set aside for myself. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, it was it, it was sort of like a, I don't know, it's weird. I, I kind of geek out about this. I opened it up and I was like, what? It's like, uh, you know, like a first, uh, what's that, first pre- a first pressing for a book? A first, um, a first yeah. edition? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know? First edition. Um, Kenny Rogers, man. That's right. Sure. Anyways, uh, so... Awesome pedal. We're going to talk about that. Uh, so it. then we have your brand new Halberd. Yes. Um, and Just came out this week. Holy last week. moly. We got a lot to say about this. We <laughs> also you. have Hypersleep, which is a great name for a pedal. Right. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Very cool. And this does, this is a, a very unique pedal. Let's start with this one real quick. And so yeah. we're going to talk about the pedals a little bit, and then we're going to get in for, you know, just kind of, we'll do a little recap on kind of who you are and where you got here and all that stuff, uh, how you got here totally, and, uh, and then where you're going. So this pedal, the hypersleep, it looks like you were dragging it behind a car for a while. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is a prototype number three. Yes, yes. Uh, so that that enclosure um, was lasered by my friend uh, Adam at Acid Splash, um, who I don't think is etching anymore, but uh, he was he he did some good stuff with a laser. And uh, that finish is uh, I'm pretty sure that's just rattle can spray paint. And uh, it's I've taken that thing to a bunch of trade shows. I've I've uh, taken it to shows. I've showed it to countless people because 
that's the enclosure where every time I'd build a new prototype, I'd take out the old one and put it in there because I yeah. loved it so much. <laughs> it is beautifully ugly. Yes. <laughs> um, and apparently when when someone whenever it was sprayed uh it looks like they put it right on some bubble wrap because mm-hmm. i made a bunch of bubble wrap marks on the back yep <laughs> um i'm not sure if it was your wife brushing her hair with this pedal or whatever but boy oh boy there's there's like all kinds of <laughs> i have i have a dog and a cat okay. uh so you That's know <laughs> a long-haired dog what is what kind of dog is this He's a border collie mix, and he does have long hair. Goodness He's a weird. Sakes. It's long. I could I could go Tony's on about hair. my dog. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This um, is why I stopped putting Velcro on pedals because uh, my house is full of hair. Well, that's I, good in case you fall down. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I opened up the uh, I opened up the sending, uh, and first thing I did, I was like, "There's two big long hairs in here." <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, "Oh, that's nice. It's a little gift." That's how I looked at it. That's yep, how you can yep. tell um, the DNA. That's how <laughs> I know DNA it's real. It's not, it's not some cheap black market <laughs> ripoff. <laughs> Certificate there's, of authenticity. There's hair exactly. in all of our pedals. DNA. <laughs> it's a hairy pedal, huh? Yeah. If there's not, send it back. We'll put it in there. <laughs> um, okay, so the Hypersleep. This is a six-knob pedal. So you're going to have some splaining to do. Yes, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, so I guess... Uh, so the hypersleep is uh, an analog reverb. Um, there's a lot of analog reverbs, you know, spling, uh, sp- spling, spring, and plate reverbs. Uh, obviously, are analog reverbs because, but it's a physical device that is rattling around and, and vibrating and resonating that gives you uh, the echoes. Uh, in the hypersleep, there's a bucket brigade ship, um, sort of like what you'd see in an analog delay, like sending or like a memory man or a carbon copy. Um, but instead of having one input that gets delayed some time into the future, it's got one input and six outputs that are all staggered from each other uh, to sort of emulate uh, room reflections. It's a very uh, like ham-fisted approach, and it came out like right before people started to be able to do this digitally. Um, so it was uh, it occupies a weird place in history because essentially none of the pedals that were made with this chip were commercially viable. Uh, so why am I bothering? Do you ask? Uh, <laughs> why are you bothering? I have a friend. <laughs> the uh, I have a friend who has uh, an absurd collection of old EHX pedals. Um, shout out to Dan if you're listening to this. He's a, he's a, he's he's great. Um, and uh, one of them is this is this pedal called the Solid State Reverb. And I plugged it in, and I was absolutely uh, th- like just I was blown away by how this sounded. And it uses the same chip. Um, and so I got to mess with that one for a while. Um, I did trace it because, uh, only like six or seven, I think were ever made less than 10 for sure. Wow. It's a real, it's a real hen's tooth. Um, and, uh, you can tell that it was, uh, definitely a product of bug fueled mania of seventies and eighties electro harmonics. Um, they probably don't have schematics of this anymore. And the engineer who designed it probably doesn't remember that they did it. Uh, but it's a, it's a very clever idea. And I, I, I looked at that and I said, okay, I feel like I can, I can do better because I have access to modern parts. I have access to, you know, uh, microcontrollers uh, where I can, you know, I can have more control over the circuit uh, with a program and everything. Um, So what we ended up doing with the Hypersleep was we did a way nicer uh, filtering and mixing setup to like, you know, mix the dry and wet signal together um, and keep the noise floor nice and low. And uh, we added a digital clock and LFO so that the the chip is, is driven very nice and happily. 
and you can have an LFO that's super low noise and it can go from like a subtle up and down warble to just full on, you know, space insanity. Uh, John, can uh, you, can you describe an, uh, what an LFO does for anybody that may not Um, know that? So, uh, pretty much everyone's heard a tremolo effect before, you know, your, your sound is just going up and down in volume. The thing that controls the volume going up and down is an LFO. Uh, LFO stands for low frequency oscillator. Uh, when we say low frequency, we mean it's slower than audio. Um, and so if, if you're turning something on and off much slower than the audio, you just hear the volume going up and down. There's LFOs in choruses and flangers and phasers. Um, and of course, tremolos, vibratos, all sorts of things. So they're very commonplace. And uh, Hypersleep also has an LFO uh, to sort of modulate this like artificial room size that's created with the chip. Hmm. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm never going to be able to explain that on the unpacking thing that I just did that you would have seen by now. <laughs> but I'm going to reference this show, so I won't have to. Hmm. Um, what is interesting about this, uh, from my point of view, uh, aside from the amazing technical wizard- wizardry that you just described, for six knobs, it kind of has somewhat of a singular sound. It's very useful, especially if you're going for this kind of sound and the way you know you said um uh for the specific room it 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 sounds like a specific kind of a room totally where most you can say i want this kind of room or that kind of room or this other kind of room or two rooms Mm -hmm. and you said nope it's going to sound like this kind of room and that kind of room is correct me if i'm wrong which i Mm -hmm. often am a taller ceiling, longer, narrower room with a box of spoons at the end. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, I think you nailed lots it. Of, lots of Thank you. pile. <laughs> yeah. a, a, big, a big ceramic chamber with weird resonances to it. It's very interesting. I was playing around most with the feedback, and the mix was very important because that's really where you start to get the huge variances in the actual sound from your amp sure. and how it's interacting with all the other pedals. The mm-hmm. rate and depth, of course, are pretty normal, but space was also a very interesting thing to play around with. The, the variety of tones that you can get out of this is pretty remarkable. Yeah, this, the space is sort of, thing you can think of that as like uh, the time knob on a regular delay. Mm-hmm. Um, but because you're controlling uh, six delays all at the same time, uh, it gets like smeared out, you know? Yeah. So the echo that you sort of like latch onto that sounds almost like a slapback, mm-hmm. that's the longest echo in the sequence and the rest sort of like fill that out. Yeah. I would equate it as speaking of ham fisted, <laughs> <laughs> that's my ammo. Um, I would, I would equate that as either how far into the room you're walking mm-hmm. or how far back you are in the room or if you know if you were miking a cab in this room, how far away is that mic from the cab in the room? Kind of thing. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know if that's right or not, but that's a, that's the feeling <laughs> that I got in my you know. That, it's, that, that feels pretty right to me. It's a it's a weird abstraction because like it's you know as a as a, a model of a real space, it's it's awful. You know, it doesn't sound like a real space. You have to kind of imagine it. Yeah. Um, so I like to hear people's interpretation. Yeah. Of it. I think it's also important to note that this is probably one of those pedals, and we've we've talked about this many times on the show. Where um, sometimes you plug in a pedal and you're like, "Well, hmm, 
<laughs> uh, but when you plug in that pedal <laughs> with other friends, with other pedals, that's when you start getting like magical sounds mm-hmm. that you didn't have before. Uh, specifically, immediately yeah. when I plug these three in and I, I put them all in a chain, and I only had these ones on. I didn't plug them into my my normal board or anything. Uh, and mm-hmm. I had them going into my Supro Black Magic. I was like, "Well, looks like the Black Angels just showed up in my living room." Um, <laughs> it sounded awesome. I mean, it, it, it. Anybody familiar with that band? If you if you get these three pedals and you put them all together, that's very much what I felt it sounded like. Um, so you can kind of get an idea of maybe what this pedal can do. Okay, so next we have the sending, mm, and yummy. we talked about this. Tony, why, why don't you? I liked it, and I'm I'm glad I'm glad to hear. I didn't crack the back of it to see what it was, but I'm glad to hear that it is an analog <laughs> delay because that's what my yes, ears indeed. heard. <laughs> I said, "What what mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. magic are you working using digitals?" <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I really uh, I kind of li- I I think one of my favorite features was the the pre and post and if correct me if i'm not correct but um if the uh does that only affect the um the delayed signal or is that the, the um so that's a so that the pre is the gain control for uh a preamp that's right at the beginning okay. um and uh the delay side's got less headroom so it's going to clip a little bit more and okay. compress more um than the dry signal but it really is like a global sort of gain control okay yeah that's because I, I definitely heard it more in the in the delayed signal mm-hmm. and uh i i really enjoyed monkeying around with this one because i mean and you have the the big time knob of course which i mean you get who everything. doesn't like a rotary well <laughs> i guess it's not really a rotary well, it looks like a rotary but it's a yeah big, it kind of does it's the size of a rotary it's no? a yeah. big old chicken head kind of looking thing mm-hmm. yeah. yeah but uh i mean you can get dialing anything from a slap back on one end to a Gosh, I, I I didn't time it, but it was it seemed like a pretty lengthy delay on the on the other end of the spectrum. So yeah, if you cool. uh, the tap tempo lets you go up past a second if you want. It oh. gets pretty pretty grimy at that point, but it's nice to have the option for for weirder stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the the thing that I the when Todd first showed me this. I mean, I think the artwork on it is so cool. It's I mean, it looks like a watercolor. Thank you, uh, and that's really well done. I mean, it's I'm guessing you're having these. Uh, digitally printed, but I mean, yeah, that's uh, the the fine folks at Disaster Area Designs with mm. their fancy UV printer. They uh, they've been doing my enclosure work for, gosh, almost two years now, and yeah. uh, they're they're fantastic. They yeah. really they really know what they're doing. So yeah, I, I that that was, but you know, honestly, <laughs> I think I like the. We're not the, nope, we're not there yet. Okay, but, but you can use an expression <laughs> pedal on this too, right? Yes. I, did, um, I, so I you, didn't have one to use, but you, you can plug one in, it looks like, right? Yeah, so the so there's a, an extra jack on there, which you can actually use um, an expression pedal to control the level of the repeats, um, which is a, the, an accidental feature that we discovered later on. Uh, its intended purpose is an effects loop. Um, and oh. so you can patch in... Uh, my favorite application is to put like a chorus there, um, so you can get modulated delay uh, with that. Hmm. Um, if you crack open the back, you'll see that it's 100% full. Um, there is no more room for any more parts in there. And uh, it's, uh, you know, we, we were thinking about adding things like modulation or, or, or whatever, but we literally ran out of space uh, when I was designing this. And uh, that's that's what it ended up being. But I realized that an effects loop would let anyone who really, really wanted modulation or some extra filtering on the repeats to be able to patch, patch that in there. Uh, you know, so many people have said, 
this is the best sounding delay that they've heard, period. Is that arguably your most well-known pedal at this point? Uh, it's it's honestly hard to say. I think I think the Model FET probably has the most uh, crossover appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the one where, uh, you know, I'll, someone who I've never interacted before will be like, hey, I got a Model FET and I love it. I'm like, cool, that's really awesome. I, you know, what, well, like, what's your deal? Like, you're not part of the, you know, it's, it's getting outside of the, the circle of Instagram people who buy a lot of pedals, yeah, you know, which is an exciting thing because, uh, it's a cult status pedal. I want, I, it, yeah. And so it's, uh, you know, trying to, trying to break out of that is always a good thing. Um, and I think, I don't know if sending has quite reached that. It's certainly my most distinctive looking, uh, effort. And, uh, it also, uh, from, from my side, like the most ambitious thing that I did, even just hand building those was really, uh, an exercise in patience. It was that pedal that motivated me to go to surface mount for everything going forward, which is something we could talk about later on because yeah. it was an, an interesting journey to say the least. But, but yeah, those hand wired ones definitely have a special, special place in my heart. They were a, they were quite an ordeal. Yeah. Well, wow. that's a great segue because I'm looking at the back of the halberd and that just made me think, boy, oh boy, if this was, hand-wired. boy, you'd have to have one heck of an enclosure to put this thing yeah. in, uh, if these were all hand hand wired here, oh um, yeah, whew. so there's a lot of bits and bobs in this thing. So this is the halberd. What is a halberd exactly? Uh, so it's a medieval polearm. It's sort of like an axe on a stick. Um, and uh, the the short answer is, I just really like D and D, so I'll pull things. <laughs> I'll pull things out of D and D to name stuff. Um, uh-huh. oh, yeah. You know, obviously, you know, long sword halberd. Sending is a is a D and D spell. Um, you know, there's, and I, I'm sure I will use many more D and D things for naming uh, in the future. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I think for for drive pedals, I've sort of gone with a a pointy theme. That's, for them. This is true. <laughs> this is true. Um, and uh, so yeah, so that so that the this is actually a great segue because the halberd in its very earliest form started as the preamp from sending. So if you turn the the mix on sending all the way down, mm-hmm. um, the pre and post knobs are doing basically the same thing that they do on the halberd. Um, but the halberd also has uh, two extra gain controls, uh, or two extra tone controls, rather, the high and low controls. And uh, in order to make those work correctly, in order to give you a full range of, of tones, in order to give you a little bit more gain on tap, I had to completely redesign what was under the hood <laughs> to make it sound right. Um, the sending preamp was so balanced out for the exactly what it was that if you change the tone in any way, the e, like the EQ response, it it did not work right. Um, and so I had to obsessively design and redesign this thing to get it to work. Um, and that's not to get into all the stuff I had to do with the power supply and the switching and you know uh, making a germanium transistor cooperate uh, across a big production batch and all this other stuff. But, yeah. Uh, well, it's a very but it's unassuming finally here. pedal. It came out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. With only you know four knobs, it's an overdrive. You know, doesn't sound exciting. It does. Yeah. Well, it's it's when I say it's unassuming, it's it's also just um, it's sort of a dull red. It's not a you know, it's not a hey, M- look at this. It's, it's MXR red. It's yeah. It's <laughs> like mm-hmm. it looks almost brutish. Um, yeah. With a UT, not a OOD. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Um, and, yeah. you know, so when I plugged in, I was like, wow, I wonder what this is going to do. And, man, you start messing with those knobs. And, I, I mean, I, I, I couldn't stop talking about it when I got to 
Tony's place and, and gave him the pedal. I was really blown away by how interactive that pedal was. Mm-hmm. And the sounds it was making my amp do were um, were really, I think, rather exceptional. And I don't well, mean it, sounds as far as like, all the range of crazy sounds. I mean, it's a you classify it as a mid, you know, medium gain uh, pedal, but it is so much more than that. I told uh, Jared it took my Supro Black Magic, and it made it sound like there was about three of them stacked on each other. Not necessarily just louder. Uh-huh. It was this dynamic that I didn't have before. The pre knob. The more you dial it to the right, you get you get a drive, but you also get a compression. Yes. And that was so special to the sound. Yeah, I think that's a scent, you know, like for what I was going with, like a mid-gain overdrive, you know, sometimes I feel like you turn them up and, uh, you know, there's not, it kind of like skips right over its sweet spot, you know, mm-hmm. it goes from, you know, like, like pushing your amp a little bit to uh, just like putting a hard edge on your playing, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, whereas with this one, I wanted that middle region to be a feel rather than a sound. You know, like it feels like it's got more gain than it has. It feels like there's like more like leaping out of your strings uh, than just like that having it off. You know, it really does. And I, this is a this is an important thing. I play, I guess, relatively hard. I'm, the music I'm not playing isn't like you know I'm not doing doom or anything like that. Um, but uh, I play hard because I want that to come across out of the amp. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can wear on you <laughs> as a player. And it can and also... And as a listener. And as a listener, yeah. Because <laughs> you can get real spiky bits. And I know that that's what everybody's like, well, that's what compression's for, dummy. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. I understand that. But I haven't met a compressor yet that makes my tone sound like like it still has muscle. Yeah, There's, yeah, there's sure. something about most compressor pedals that I feel like I'm losing the life out of it. I'm losing the life out of it. And I... I'm not a pro, so I probably haven't got it right. But I will say that this pedal, um, immediately I recognized that I could play, I could make it sound like it's had a ton of muscle without having to put a ton of muscle into it. Mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. The, the other thing that that is, that's important to note about that is that means you're not having to hit your strings with you know brute force. Sure. Which also means you're getting a more uh, uh, you're getting more clarity in your tone because your strings aren't mm-hmm. going berserk. Yeah, I mean, I I, I noticed yeah, just yeah. a being it, you know, engaging, disengaging. And I mean, as you said, the volume level wasn't significant. I mean, mm-hmm. it, I had it set so that was kind of like unity gain. Yeah, but the difference in the overall, I, I guess I, I you could you could really feel it more. Low mids, pushed air. Yeah, yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and I I and I like the fact that it's uh, um, so the 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 highs are really it's more of a high cut. Is that right? If you go, yeah, yeah. If you go to the right, they get uh, cut more, and to the Mm -hmm. left, a little bit less. What what is the do not adjust trim pot on the board? (laughs) Ah, uh, funny you should ask. So the. it's a it's a little bit of a relic from the prototyping process because um, for a while there was so this this thing has gone through I think that was the seventh iteration of the board. That's it. Um, and <laughs> the, uh, the the 
God, I obsessed over this thing for months. But the the thing that I the thing that I found was that the germanium transistor is really really sensitive to uh, where the bias is set because uh, you know when you start to amplify a signal too much, um, it starts to reach a point where you can't amplify it anymore. Um, and with uh, with a transistor, uh, if if the top of the wave is getting amplified too much or the bottom of the wave is getting amplified too much. Those actually have a different sound depending on which one you hit first, uh, and so getting getting the uh, exact balance um, favoring one over the other was so so crucial to that design um, that uh, so I have to basically go in and calibrate it on a scope uh, to to this exact point. Um, you know, I put in I put in a signal on like a you know like a signal generator, um, and I look at the waveform um, on a screen. And then I adjust that pot until the waveform is is balanced in just the right way, um, and then and then they're good to ship out. So uh, does that you know, the the calibration vary from pedal to pedal? Yeah. So you know, germaniums have a huge spread of tolerances. Um, so we have a I have a go no go box that I put together uh, where you just plug in a transistor and you push a button, and if it's green, then it means that it's going to bias up within a certain. Uh, range in the circuit. And if it's red, it means that it's not going to work. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just like a real simple, like, is the voltage within this range? Okay, cool. Uh, but then I throw it on a scope and then I can look, uh, you know, at the waveform and make sure it's balanced out just right. Um, and so, you know, there's germanium is always going to have a little bit of like, you know, intangible quality to it. Uh, because there's so many tolerances with those devices. Um, you know, people talk about Mojo and Magic and stuff like that. And, you know, you could debate about it all day. What it comes down to is that the manufacturing processes of that era had a huge uh, amount of variability because it just, you know, we're not talking Intel's, you know, seven micron process. You know, we're talking, uh, you know, 1960s uh, or whatever passed for a clean room in the 1960s, you know. Right. So it's just a much different sort of beast, but uh, so lots of I cigarette do, ash. <laughs> Probably, I, I and enjoy. Hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoy. I enjoy the sort of uh, you know blasphemy of a germanium transistor nestled around a bunch of service mount components. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, it's very it's very anachronistic, and uh, and you know it's kind of like that was one of the last changes I made. I held on to a silicon transistor in that spot until like nearly the end and finally and i had an early early prototype with the germanium and it was always the one to beat um but i could never build a second one that sounded as good or better no matter what i did interesting um, right. and finally i put it put it in a germanium transistor and it was uh it was obvious then i was like okay all right <laughs> i guess i'm gonna have to get into sourcing germanium so uh fortunately we've been pretty lucky in that regard but wow. it's uh it's always a challenge uh and that, ladies and gentlemen, is why John Snyder is John Snyder. Drink. Because you didn't right. just plug in a thing and say, here's a cool pedal. <laughs> very, very cool. Uh, I, I I mean, we can't say enough about that yeah. halberd. That is truly a special pedal. Gold star. It, Thank I mean, you. It is outstanding. Uh, so for those who are not as familiar with uh, with you, John, can you just give a brief um, background, like uh, how you arrived where you are? Um, you know, within elevator. We're going up the elevator. Who's John? all right? Elevator pitch. So I was born a nerd. Um, I will always be a nerd. 
And when uh, when I started learning how to, I started learning how to play electric guitar because I was into tinkering, and I knew that there was a whole extra dimensionality other than just playing. You know, there's pedals, there's amps, and and uh, you know the construction of the guitar itself that you could obsess over. And uh, I had one winter when I was snowed in. Boston got a hundred inches of snow, and uh, I designed my first pedal, which was the longsword distortion. And uh, people on the internet thought it was cool. And so I sold a few and then I started designing other things. And uh, suddenly I have an entire room in my apartment devoted to uh, making pedals in my spare time. Um, I'm also working on a PhD in, uh, in uh, optics right now, photonics, uh, if, as it were, um, which I will be done with pretty soon. Um, and uh, after that, who knows what I'm doing, but the pedal thing has been really fun. It's opened a lot of doors. I've met a lot of really, really uh, great, great people uh, and been able to sort of pursue a creative axis, which has been really satisfying and really unique. Now, I submit that uh, in Boston, they do one of those like the, like the Rocky statue, except you're holding up two pedals. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? <laughs> that would be that would be something. I mean, the thing is, you know, I'm I'm not even I'm I I you know there are, there are so many uh so there's so much cool gear history that has come out of Boston that mm-hmm. it's just staggering. Um, you know, hi-fi was invented in Cambridge. Uh, as you know, hi-fi as we know it, you know, the idea that you have a phone preamp, a really nice CD player and a receiver and and good speakers, um, you know, tweeters and woofers and stuff. It was all invented uh, in in Cambridge, and it was a bunch of uh, basically electrical engineers who got bored of of designing uh, you know radar systems for the military, and they said, "What can we put these skills to use that's actually going to you know uh, be fun?" <laughs> uh, and and uh, you know they they sort of would tinker uh, with with these projects in their spare time using all of this emerging technology for for recreational and artistic purposes. Mm. Um, and then, of course, you've got, uh, you know, there's a ton of companies that are doing uh, plugins and stuff like that here. Um, you know, Isotope um, is is based in Boston. Um, Motu, I think, was based in Boston for a while. They, they make those really nice interfaces, and they were a pioneer in amp simulators, too. Um, even just like pedal builders, you got uh, Brad from Nerd Knuckle, um, an early guest on the show. I love his episode. Yeah, um, he's a great Doug dude. from uh, MidFi Electronics, and you know MidFi is one of the one of the OGs. You know, you can go find posts that he made on DIY stomp boxes in like 2005, which mm. you know the pedal world was a much different place at that time. Um, getting a little uh, out of chronological order here, but even Tom Scholz from Boston, all the you know all the the Rockman stuff. You know, he was an MIT engineer who just decided that he didn't like the way his guitar sounded and he would just take matters into his own hands. Um, so that's just, it's such a rich legacy. It's really, it's really, you know, Oh, also in Klon, uh, you know, Bill Finnegan lives uh, just North of Boston. Oh, yeah. um, so, you know, and, uh, and he's still, he's still kicking. He's still, uh, still as, as uh, you know, lively as ever. So, you know, it's, uh, it really is a neat place here. So uh, wow. there's quite a pedigree, I guess is what I'm saying. And so it's funny that I, I only discovered that after I got started. Just out of curiosity, what do you do with a um, phot- a photon degree? What did you say? So, pho- pho- is that right? Yeah, f- uh, photonics. So optics yeah. is stuff like uh, glasses and mirrors and telescopes and binoculars. Uh, photonics is using light to do uh, things like uh, sensors and computers. Oh, okay. um, yeah. And, uh, is and like, so, like light bright. 
like like light bright in a clean room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so the short answer for my project is uh, if you want to build a quantum computer, you need light to be a certain wavelength or color. The problem is that we haven't quite, uh, you know, the field of engineering in general hasn't quite agreed on what color is going to be the best color for different operations. Um, you, know, you know, if you want to Todd make, and I then, were having this discussion just right before we started. <laughs> and, you can't uh, agree on it, right? Well, um, uh, I like one color. He likes a different. We'll have to exactly. take this you one can. offline. Go ahead, John. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Discuss so it the, over a piece of cake. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the short answer is that if you want a quantum processor and a quantum memory, even ignore the word quantum here. If you want a processor and memory to talk to one another, you need a device that will mediate uh, that conversation. Um, and I am working on something that might one day become that device. Um, nice. because the, uh, you know, the, the work, you know, it, it's so, uh, everything is such a tiny step. Um, the tiny set that I'm doing will have taken years for me to figure out and complete. And that's just the nature of it. But you get enough, P- you throw enough PhD students at a problem and it'll get solved in a decade. <laughs> that's amazing. So, so what, what color is your favorite color of light? Um, I'm partial, I'm partial to uh, 405 nanometers, which is a nice, a nice shade of purple. I guessed I it. it. I just mouthed it to Tony. That's, that's Jared's that's favorite. That's my color, man. Yeah. <laughs> Jared was right all along. Yeah. yeah. That's right. That, my 405 laser is burned into my retinas, but... <laughs> you know. It's kind of amazing. John's making stuff that could change the future and also make your guitar sound really cool. That's a that's a pretty big, big spread here. So make sure that you get some of this uh, genius's gear under your foot if he keeps up with the quantum stuff he might be able to affect the past too yes that's true yeah. oh, we don't want to get into time travel all right well john thank you so much for sharing as much of the as you have with us um it is always always a pleasure to talk with you and uh to drink to your name yes so Yay. uh drink yeah exactly <laughs> um Jared, you got a little something for us here? I do. How about we have a little bit of would you rather? Very nice. Ooh. This week's would you rather is from our uh, new executive producer. Who? Maestro. Tommy Manasco. Yeah, right? all right. Would you rather? You can have your dream rig, you know, your guitar amps and pedals, the whole shebang, but you can only play... At home, alone. Mm. Or would you rather you can play out with any band at friends' places, live shows, etc., but you can only use the first rig that you've ever had? (laughs) That's a great question. It is. a really great question. (laughs) Uh, We've had episodes where we've talked about our first rig like way, way back in the early stuff. I wouldn't wouldn't go listen to that if I were you. Just bypass that. (laughs) Yikes. Uh, All right. Tony, go ahead. Well, (laughs) I'm trying to remember what my first rig was, and I'm sure it wasn't very good. But the, the, the real stickler here is only being able to do it in your house. I mean, what's the fun in that? If that's your lot in life, a lot of fun. It's still to me the whole thing of music is going out and playing and you know mm-hmm. sharing the music yeah. with everybody. So you know what? As much as my my old rig probably was as bad as my old rig 
probably was. I'm going to go with option B where I have to use that rig, but I can play with any band and at any venue and all that fun stuff. Okay. That's my final answer. All right, Jared. Well, I kind of know how it feels to have all the stuff you want and to just play at home. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of there right now. Yeah, I'm very satisfied with the uh, collection of gear that I have. And I'm just playing it at home because, I don't know, I don't really play out much anymore because I'm always doing pickup stuff. Mm-hmm. There you go. So I'm going to go with the first rig and start playing out. What was your first rig? It was a late 70s harmony it was a half pint guitar it was small Hmm. and it it didn't even look like a strat it had two horns (laughs) it was awful it it was my parents could barely afford it and my dad had a pv i want to say it's like one of those xr 500 it was a pa system a mixing board yeah yeah, but it was it looked like an amp head, like it right, was the right. shape of a head. Right. Yeah, I I plugged it into that thing. I had no effects. Yeah. I had to plug through uh, plug through my dad's tape rec- tape recorder to get like a a fuzz overdrive effect. Huh. Kind of like what uh, Rolling Stones. Well, what's his name did? Keith. But yeah, I mean that's that's all I had when a, I first started. Yeah. Mid-fi demo tape fuzz nails that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I I remember getting that sound, and when I found it, I found it accidentally because I'm just plugging everything in and messing around and trying to record <laughs> stuff. I'm like, whoa, you this thought, sounds awesome. You thought you broke something, didn't you? At first, I was like, oh no, is this bad? And then I just kept doing it. Oh, this sounds so good. Nice. So that's that's my first rig. I I would go along with that and and rock it out at clubs or bars or whatever nice you know have a good time sure all right what about you how about yourself john okay so my first rig uh was an ibanez starter pack uh so it was a very uh shoddily built uh super strat type thing uh, and uh a little 10 watt practice amp and uh Hell yeah, I'd go out and gig with that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'd have I'd have fun. I'd have fun with that. I mean, there's gotta be some, you know, I bet I could find the schematic for one of those things on online. There's my loopholes. I'll just hot rod it and uh just really go. lean into it. Uh, sure, I'll need a you know a, a, a PA to 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 get that thing really cooking, even when it's turned up all the way. Um I think it had like an eight-inch speaker in it, but you know, play it out is fun. Nice. Don't, don't want to miss it. Right on. How about you, Todd? Well, uh, I know that someday I will probably, you know, only be playing at home. And I love playing. I love when I'm at home I, when I get to play. Um, I don't know that I will ever have the my dream rig because I like, I'm never satisfied. I can't stop screwing around with stuff for better or for worse. Hmm. And my I, I have a great passion for playing out and playing my music. So... I'm going to go with my my original rig. And I think the difference between what we're saying, you know, it isn't maybe just the very first amp you had, but like when you said, I've got a setup, I've got a rig, yeah. I can go and do something with this. Yeah. That would have been, I had a I had a PV Special 160. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I had <laughs> a rig. <laughs> 
at a rack mount Chandler tube driver. <laughs> well, of course. Oh, my God. Sitting, Dude. Sitting on top of it. You had it made. It was amazing. And I had a... Uh, Holy a, cow. A black Aria, uh, um, like a Strat, like a kind of a Super Strat kind of uh, yeah. thing. Uh, a guitar. and Those uh, weren't bad. Like an Aria Pro? Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It's just... Uh, but, and then, lucky. And then... But soon I realized, I, well, surely I need one of these giant speaker things that everybody's carrying around. <laughs> so I got a, uh, I, from, I actually, I got it off of the guy, one of the guys in Agent Orange, um, uh, just a big giant box cabinet. I was no name. It had a big metal grate on the front that at one point I think was painted pink and they had painted over black. <laughs> it was the dumbest thing. This whole thing was just so dumb. I can't even believe, like, I, I wish I would have seen me show up to a show and play that. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, uh, but I, nobody told me. I had. I was just a. I was a. A, 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 a child walking through the woods. Oh of the no! Guitar I would have rocked universe. it out. It's way so, better than what I had. Yeah, I've had to figure out everything by myself. Doggone it! Anyways, uh, <laughs> and you liked it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So anyhow, that uh, that was a really great that was a great question, Tommy. Um, thank you so much for sending that in. And hey, everybody else out there, if you got four on the floors, or if you've got would you rather's, we'd love to hear them. We'd yeah. love to share them. So, sing so it send us that you. stuff, will you? Yep. Sheesh. <laughs> uh, John, where yes, can Todd. people find your your gear and wares and stuff? Electronic Audio Experiments.com uh, or Instagram at Electronic Audio Experiments. Um, and uh, that's that's where you'll find most of the stuff. I'm pretty active on Instagram. Try to keep a, you know, running day to day snapshot of what's going on over here best as I can. And uh, we also have a mailing list. If you sign up for the mailing list, uh, I'll I do my best to keep you posted on when new things are dropping. Um, try to give people a couple weeks notice because I know sometimes new batches sell out pretty quick. So kind of levels the playing field to say, come here at this day and time and uh, do your thing. Yeah. Well, speaking of going out really quick, uh, this halberd, you people, people, get your hands on this pedal. I'm telling you, it is a game changer. Um, yep. And I would also say this. I'm just going to go ahead and say this. Look, I, I love going on reverb and getting pedals and getting all kinds of you know gear and guitars and stuff. But when we're talking about somebody like John, who's putting like crazy amounts of brains into these things, you know, maybe just get them directly from him. Yes. Support the artist. Yes, exactly. The creator. We appreciate it. Yep. yep. Uh, you're not going to find a lot of used stuff from him anyway, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you may not have a choice. Uh, <laughs> all right, Tony Baloney, we yes. got to thank a couple people. Yeah, I want to thank one or two people. All right. Uh, actually, more than one or two. Great. <laughs> so at this point of the show, we like to thank a certain group of people. We like to call them our executive producers. Ooh. You're saying, how can I become an executive producer? Go to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Once you're there, you can see it. A couple of different levels that you can participate. So yeah, there's a couple of things. You get some t-shirts and barefoot buttons and all uh, kinds of swaggy, all kinds of swaggy and stuff. And, uh, uh, I understand stuff. there's also you get entered into some of these giveaways. That that's have. right. Exactly right. We're wow. giving away several pedals. You're saying, well, why don't I just become an executive producer yeah because in addition to all that great stuff and in addition to be 
qualifying for all these giveaways and things like that. Jared, what happens? You get to have your name read on the your thing. Your name read <laughs> on the thing. That's right. On and the thing. That's right here. The thing. On the thing. So that's what I'm going to do right now for you, Todd. Let's start from our newest and, and, and the supplier of our Would You Rather, Mr. Tommy Manasco. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Tommy. Welcome, Tommy. Uh, how about Justin Jones? David Kaminga. Yeah. Doug Gann. Tim Nowak. John Esterly. Chris Idle. Tyg Harmon. Tyler Bray. John Anglin, Anthony Lanthrop, Johnny Knowles, Stefan Lamb, Michael Sanchuk, Brian Robison, Jonathan Jerusik, Ken Sayers, Corin Agro, Brad Partridge, Michael Van Zant, Doug Christ, Darren Gregory, Chris Kearney, Sean S. 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 John Daly. Martin Cliff and Tom Brazen. No, thank you, right. everybody. Thank you guys so very much. You truly help out our show. That's right. Um, it, it is it is of great importance the, these these people that we read read off, and also the people that we don't read off who are at the uh, the, the second level. Thank you, Tony. Yes. Where can people find you? I would suggest going to pickguardian.com. Mm-hmm. There you can find all of the wares. Many of the things, contact information, stuff you can buy. Yes. That's what we're here for, stuff you can buy. Yeah. Uh, if you want to see some of the projects and photos of some of the oddball gear stuff that we talk about, that I talk about, mm-hmm. go over to... to uh, bah, 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 Big Guardian bah, bah, 1 on Big Guardian 1 Instagram. on Instagram. That's Thank right. you. Thanks for helping me, Todd. You're welcome. Jared? You can find me at brandonwoundpickups.com. You can... Get some new old-looking pickups to match your old guitar. Or you can get some... Old, new-looking pickups. To match your new or old-looking guitar, because I always mix that around. <laughs> hey, whatever you want, the sky's the limit. Get a hold of me. Look at my Instagram, because I, I post really cool, uh, odd, weird stuff and on you have, there. you have a group active, too, don't you? On, I on do. I, I, got a little, I got a little group going on on, on the old Facebookaroo. Yeah. So. Outstanding pedals. Thank I mean, you. not pedals. Pedals. <laughs> Thank you. I work very hard on my <laughs> brand and wild pedals. John. Outstanding pickups. <laughs> Todd, how can people get a hold of you? That's you right. can uh, fire me a DM at Guitar Knobs on Instagram. And you can also shoot me an email, Todd at theguitarnobs.com. We love to hear your stories. We love to hear any feedback you have. So with that, we want to have a ginormous thank you to John Schneider of Electronic audio experiments. Slow clap. Slow clap. Slower. Thank you. Thank you. Slower. Okay. Uh, John, it's been a pleasure as always. Um, and likewise. Thank you. We are thrilled for the next thing that you come up with that you get to share with us beyond the, the magnificent halberd. All right. Everyone, have a fantastic guitar week and subscribe. Yeah. yeah. I love you. Love me too. Bigger than usual. No. Are my eating sounds a problem? Because I can I can shell this. They're bigger than these. <laughs> no. Manasco? That means they're not bigger than usual. Yeah. Well, so they're true. in between. No. I don't know. Uh, no. Yeah. Manasco. Bigger than what you have now. Eat, Papa. Nobody likes a skinny Santa Claus. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com 
forward slash The Guitar Knobs. Visit our website at theguitarnobs.com for all of our past episodes, Four on the Floor blog, and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram at Guitar Knobs. Catch you next time.